Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to episode 114 of the Get Around. I'm James Cook, joined here by TV7 and 4's Harrison Beebe. I'm back, again, back for 114. Filling in for Jake Atnip. And we also have Andrew Rosenthal. Rosie. Who also works for the Record Eagle. Who also does work at the Record Eagle. I didn't even introduce that I worked for the Record Eagle. Oh. <laughs> My business is the only one that matters on this Record this Eagle sponsored website, podcast. I think they're going to assume that. We've got a good show for you, though, though. We've got Gaylord skier Reagan Ali and Traverse City Central skier Elizabeth Saunders coming in for interview fresh off the state finals on Monday. We are also fresh off the state finals Monday. Finals Monday. Straight off the miles, Monday. We are. That's why we're doing this on Tuesday instead of our usual Monday. But Tuesday pod. You guys are going to have to ask if they got uh, sunburnt like you two did. Well, they were wearing like... They, they, had, they had goggles. They don't wear that goggles. all the time. You think they're loaded up with the goggles all the time they're out there? They were prepared. Yeah, we were. They probably were. Sunblock. So I got, I got a sunburn and a cold in the same day. I think I caught kind of a cold, which is even... Just weird because it was like two more more noticeable. Like, yeah, it was a great ski finals. I've covered ski finals in like zero degree wind chill before, so I I was in no way complaining about not even wearing gloves yesterday. I enjoyed the weather, although I prepared for way colder, and so I was sweating with yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit. I took like three layers there, and then went to the car to take off the sweater, and then I ended up taking off the top part of my coat. So then I'm like, I probably could have been fine in just shorts and a t-shirt. Spring break, and I saw people spring that were break, just baby. Walking away in shorts too. It was crazy. No, you'd rather have stuff to take off than needing something to put on, right? Yeah, shorts weather for the ski finals just doesn't uh, go together. But baseball finals are going to be a snowstorm in Lansing, calling it that, blizzard that, conditions that for the snowbirds. That is probably about a fifty-fifty. It can be up here. Snow for the snowbirds. Nice. Right. That's how they want it. What do we got on docket? Well, we got those ski finals that we're talking about. We had pretty good performances. Uh, Petoskey getting their state championship. Yeah, how good? Back. Are th- how good are those guys to bounce back after a loss? Nine of the last eleven state titles. Marquette boys have won eight straight in Division One. Marquette girls have won five straight in Division One. But Petoskey boys now now it is their home course that they're competing at. So it's you know whatever. I'm not saying that's why they won, but it's definitely very convenient. You know, wouldn't it be nice to win for Traverse City Central to win a football state championship at Thoroughby Field? Probably. Not all of those nine have been on their home. No, but home quite, a, slope, quite a few but, have. But yeah, they're all pretty. They're all a lot of them in their backyard. Yeah. Um, a couple of them in Marquette though. Mm-hmm. I think um, the same but it's still said, it's impressive. Yeah, the same can be said for Harper Springs. They won runner-up, basically their home course too. They did, but they're they're not the dynasty that Petoskey is. The dynasty. I, I almost nice. tweeted that out, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty lame. Better save it for the podcast." Which <laughs> Thank you for saving <laughs> for saving your lameness. Got yeah, exclusive content here. My Twitter's completely now that I'm verified. Hate to rub it in, guys, but I'm blue what? checkmark official. Nice. Yeah, so I can't can't get away with that. Our paper apparently doesn't crap care about on that. Twitter. <laughs> even I though someone did try to impersonate one of us a yeah, few weeks ago. Yeah, the Record Eagle account isn't even verified. I know, yeah, the main one, let alone the sports or our individuals. Got to talk to the right people, man. Yeah. Just got to cover some more the stuff, pie, I guess. This is verified information you're getting right now, though. It's checkmark worthy. Besides the fact that we've been completely off track of uh, the ski finals. Andrew, talk a little bit about, this is your first time covering skiing yeah. in person. What was your experience like? I mean, Have you ever skied? No. Oh, okay. 
So you were like, what's slalom? I actually did ask a coach, what's the difference between a run and uh, a flight? I, it totally blew my mind that they have like, they set their lineups based on like the, the first gear is the one that has the least chance of falling. He's the one that's going to go back up the mountain and tell the other skiers like what the conditions are like and when they're going through the ex- inspection. Mm-hmm. That 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 blew my mind too. How there was like a fifteen minute period where they just take a dry run down the course and just to see what the gates are like, what kind of turns and cuts they're going to have. Got to make sure it's safe, man. When I was there in the morning at the D1 finals, it seemed like a third of the kids were slipping. Yeah. And I'm just like, that sucks for them that this is the biggest day of their season and they can't even complete a run. It'd be one thing if you threw out the worst time and just factored in their best time as the state championship, but no, they had them up. So you fall once, you're done. Nubs Nub was a lot taller than I thought it would be. In Lawrence, there was a hill that separated like the, where the students lived and where the campus was. They called it Mount Oriad. That ain't a mountain. <laughs> uh, I've been out. Well, Kansas is pretty much known for it's being a flat. hill. Yeah, it, it was a hill for sure. Even then, Nubs Knob is a hill. That's not a mountain. <laughs> well, it, yeah, compared to like Colorado, Boyne Mountain, not a mountain. Mountain like ish. It was. It was Mount it, Pleasant, not a mountain. No. It was taller than I thought it would be. So you're gonna go back and take some ski lessons. I'm going to try to. It looked fun. <laughs> Maybe not the slalom and giant slalom, though. Yeah. Yeah, Petoskey, I mean, for them to go on that run and can take that title back from Great North Alpine, who won it a year ago. We had an individual champion from Petoskey, Jimmy Flom. Uh, slalom. Flom. Um, Jimmy Flom. Just change his Jimmy name. Jimmy Slalom. Yeah, Jimmy that, Slalom. I mean, that's what you should go by. Oh, man. Hashtag that on my verified account. And we had a champion from Harbor Springs. I know it's a little out of your coverage area, but he brought the giant slalom title, Andrew mm-hmm. Truman. Andrew Truman. Yep. Uh, not to be confused with Andrew Rosenthal, though maybe one day he could win. I did tell the him giant slalom the same title. First name. You could have told me this. I have the same middle name. Reagan Ali, as you mentioned, can't wait to hear what she has to say. I think I saw she won in twenty uh, two years ago, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Didn't win last year and, and bounced back and got got the uh, slalom title this year, yeah, right? I checked, I checked and, the record books. There's only been like eight other people in the history of the MHSAA to win two slalom titles. For girls, yeah. For girls. For girls. Yep. Um, and, and that's she, like between Division One and two. Well, and she was only .05 seconds, so one twentieth of a second off of first in the giant slalom. So she was that close to winning both, which is what a kid in Marquette did in Division One. I. I mean, whenever you do that, that just shows you really are <laughs> the best skier on that mountain that day. The fourth yeah. thing, like the third thing I was going to say that Thing that blew my mind was sometimes parents would look at the other side of the mountain you know if the slalom and they would look over to the girls side at the giant slalom and they would just know right away oh that run looked really good and i'm sure oh, that, yeah yeah you can hear in the crowd noise they know that time was fast and i can know mm-hmm. when i'm shooting the video of it, when i'm shooting highlights of it yeah like okay stamp that one that one's probably usable later i wonder when we go talk to reagan and elizabeth later if they can tell like halfway through the race, like oh, this is my this is my run, this is my time, and this is the one I'm gonna win. I bet they can because mm-hmm. yeah. it did feel a lot like a track meet or a cross country meet where you see like halfway through a 400 or halfway through a hurdles race where a guy has separated himself from the pack, even though it might be by a split second. But you know, then and there, that's your state championship. I would assu- yeah, I would assume it's like a sprint where you know you got the right start. You know, if it's like a 200 meter dash, you know you're taking the turn well. You know you're hitting those markers r- right where you want to, and you've got smooth turns. Yeah, I, I would bet 100% they know at that time that they're if they're not the best time, they're one of the best. Because sometimes baseball players, you hear it all the time in the MLB, 
you know it from the moment that the ball strikes the bat that that was gone. Mm-hmm. You, as sprinters, I was a track guy. You know from the moment you step out of the gate, I'm going to win this race. James, what was your biggest takeaway from Monday? I mean, I covered the Division One, so Marquette won both of those and pretty impressively in bad conditions. Did you see a lot of slipping like I did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of, I mean, there was a few falls, you know, but most of it was just kids taking turns way wider than they normally yeah. would because of, uh, well, no, just kind of slipping out of the rut a little bit here or there and coming out of the rut, taking a big turn on the slalom, the giant slalom especially. Um, and then uh, just a lot of people hiking, you know, not falling enough to where they lose a ski or they're just out, but, you know, missing a gate because of the conditions and having to turn around and hike back up. Mm-hmm. There was one time where I thought a kid was going to get creamed by the kid that was coming behind him. Oh, I saw that multiple times, Yeah, that people were scrambling to get out of the way, and then I felt bad because that affected the people that were coming down, and I've never seen that in other ski finals. They usually wait till they're near the end of the run. I don't know if they were feeling some sort of time deadline or what, but... It got to the point where parents at the base where I was at were yelling, course, course, because that's what you would tell the kids, that, hey, some kid's behind you, look out. And then the rep, the course official said, no, be quiet, we can handle that from where we are in the mountain, it's just going to create more noise. <laughs> there was one time uh, in the, I think it was in the slalom, second run of the slaloms, that one of the gates broke, just one of the poles just kind of snapped in half, and a dude ran out there with a with a drill, drilled a new hole and stuck a pole in there, and there was a kid coming down, <laughs> coming down the hill. I mean, and it was way closer Must than have been I, Taylor, I was cool comfortable man, Taylor. with. And, uh, yeah, the and, then, and then runs out of the way, guy Same runs thing. out of the way. Finish wow. Line, finish line broke early, came out of the snow, whatever you want to call it. And they shouted out to the parents or the coaches, does anyone have a drill? It's like, one of the first, that's totally something I would just carry around on me and ready have, have well, handed. These races they do. Got to have maintenance people. people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was the finish line, and the guy just went through it as if there was only one pole there. It's pretty much the same, take the exact same path through the finish line anyway, so I that's think not was, really a big, a big think, deal for that gate. Yeah. If I any of them is missing it, that's the one you probably want, I guess. I think it was on the first flight, three or four racers of the first run didn't finish because they were either slipping or hiking like you said like you were saying yeah well it, it, definitely those first few sessions they were affecting kids but you know what at the end of the day we got to be happy that is our only mhsa certified sport that usually i can't remember the last time i was up in marquette the finals are usually always at highlands nubs knob or boyne mountain and shush, shush. as yeah. far as recent years so they, they this is our state championship up here yeah they have had them in marquette in past years but it's been a few yeah, it's been a little while now. They must. They, I mean, well, they've, they've got. I mean, with Notre Dame Prep winning the girls' Division Two title, they know that Southern schools. You know, even though they're not maybe favorites, they're, they're showing that they have the ability to win those. So maybe they want to try and yeah meet in the middle with the UP teams that participate in those lower peninsula, lower mm-hmm. lower peninsula teams. Yeah, and and uh, Traverse City is I guess a little bit more of a a middle ground. Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna have the finals at Hickory Hills or Holiday Hills. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean Traverse City area, the you know Petoskey more area, I guess. Yeah. And I think a lot of the the kids that ski for those downstate teams come up here a lot regularly anyway, so they're f- somewhat familiar with these mm-hmm. hills already. Whereas I think Marquette's probably less of a destination for a kid from yeah, they're not going go to go out area to go to yeah, to, they're going to go up north to Mount Bohemia. That's where they're going. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the lady in front of me when I was went to get some food at the lunchtime, I was from a downstate team, parent of a downstate kid. And she had, like, a Boyne card. Season pass. So that's pretty common, I think, to, for those kids to come up here and 
to make them go to Marquette would be one heck of a of a haul. Yeah, I don't think that's really nice. But they win down here anyways, so <laughs> might as well put them on the road. Um, we'll just change subjects a little bit here. We'll, uh, I guess we'll move on to the pulse. Put our that was on not the pulse of the. It's kind of the intro pulse. The intro state finals breakdown. Wow, yeah. we, I, that's probably never happened in the hundred plus episode well, we history. Like, we kind of like generally. Well, that's why they never it. let me host. That's right. You get a little bonus content with your yeah. James Cook hosting. We've got some big games coming up on Friday night. We've got we got big games all week, man. We do all week, but uh, let's let's look at some ones on Friday. Just a couple days out. We had some big some games Monday that we didn't. To this we were kind of surprised you up. We've got Central versus West on Friday night. Boys basketball. Harrison, what do you expect to see in uh, in round two of this game? Uh, well, apparently, according to certain sources, there might be something we're expecting not to see. I heard that guard Andy Soma is going to be out with a broken foot which anybody who watches TC West basketball knows he's a big reason why they're as effective as they can be. He runs the floor. He's a great scorer, great passer. Uh, that game went to overtime last time. Andrew was there. Catch round one at West, this one at Central. But uh, without Soma and with Central rolling like they are right now, 11 straight, I want to say, and uh, the chance to help seal out the conference if they went out, I, I can't really give the Titans a big edge. Now, maybe the rumors I'm hearing are false, and Soma's just fine, and he's going to run out there and put up 50 on Friday night. We'll have to wait and see, but if the rumors are true, and, and he's not in that lineup, that's that's going to make things tough for Sanders Fry and company in Central's gym. Well, that's why he has the blue check mark, folks. That kind of <laughs> yeah, inside information that's the right there. That's the stuff the record eagle can't bring you. Yeah, there you go. At the same time, I've kind of just seen Parker New take over games. He's had big gains of his own, just like Soma has, so... I think he picked up college offer the other day, didn't he? Uh, commitment. Yeah, I yep. Cool. I think I saw him tweet that out. No, Parker News is very good. West has yeah. a very good team, and because it's a rivalry game, there's still the, the that chance that it could be a battle to the end. But knowing how Central is rolling right now, and I'm going to call Soma their most valuable player, and that's not a knock on Parker New and any of the other guys who are more than willing to put up big numbers. But without Soma in that lineup, that's West is going to look a little different. The other game on Friday night I think that's big is Charlevoix versus Traverse City St. Francis. Girls, the, the boys game is pretty important as well, but the girls game particularly is pretty much for a share of the Lake Michigan Conference championships. And we're hearing rumors all over that Elise Stuck could come back for the playoffs, could possibly even be back for this game. Yeah, this um, is like a TMZ report for local sports broadcasting here today just right now. Breaking info all, all the over. scoops. Where's my breaking feet? Unbreaking ACLs. <laughs> what do you think about that matchup, uh, with or without Stuck? Well, they beat them without her beforehand in St. Francis's gym, so you, you inject an Elise Stuck back in the lineup for a game in their building when they have a chance to seal out an outright conference title for the second year in a row. Even without Elise, I, I think I like Charlevoix's chances, but if, if you put Elise in there and Elise isn't, you know, we, we don't want to say there's the small chance of her being rusty or throwing things off because you throw such a powerful player in the middle of a great, consistent, smooth lineup that's been doing really well all year. But knowing what we know based on all the talent on the floor, yeah, the Raiders are going to look pretty good if, if she ever rejoins them either Friday or going here into the districts. Mm-hmm. Charlo seems to have that flow on the floor where mm-hmm. their passes are quick and they're fast. When they get an assist, it's like that, and like the snap of a finger. And Yeah, like you said, when you throw a lease back in the mix, it's just going to... Scary. It's, it's scary to think of what they're going to do. 
Yeah, I think St. Francis is a little bit of a different team than the first time they played because they're they're so young that I think that they've matured a lot over the course of the season. Yeah, hey, St. Francis was my pick preseason to win the conference, so the fact that they still have a chance to do so Friday makes me feel pretty good about my pick, but Charlevoix, even without Elise all year, has definitely shown they were more than up to the task of playing conference championship-level basketball this year, and they have a chance to nail that down on Friday with, with or without Elise. Mm-hmm. And I went to the St. Francis game uh, last week against East Jordan, and, and Maggie Napont, the, the little freshman that mm-hmm. they have, she hit the, the bench. hit the first court, uh, first quarter buzzer beater shot. Yeah, it, it, she reminds me so much of Addie Nagel. Uh, just very similar style of play, um, and similar build. When I was watching her, I was like almost a carbon copy mm-hmm. of a young Addie Nagel. And it's interesting that two freshmen are really key guards for both St. Francis teams this year. When mm-hmm. maybe going into the year that wasn't necessarily going to be their game plan, but here they are, both you know at the near at the top of their conferences. I mean, St. Francis boys, you mentioned them earlier. They haven't lost a conference game since February of 2017. That streak is now like I don't know the exact number in front of me. I'm going to look it up before I go to Friday's game, but it's like 45, yeah. 46 right mm-hmm. now. It was 40 like the other week. No, it was it was at least 43 the other week. Now it's got to be one or two more games off that. I think they had the chance if they won out, they were going to be at 46. So I think if they beat Elk Rapids, that would have been 45. And then, which is who they play on Tuesday night, the night of this recording. And then Charlevoix on Friday. Either way, I mean, for a Lake Michigan Conference boys basketball streak to go three-plus years, most of that was Sean Finnegan as head coach. That is impressive. And, I mean, coming into this season, I, you know, I, I thought, like a lot of people, I think, that St. Francis might be down a little bit because they lost so it's much a very, last I year. I saw Brennan Chenard, I don't. Recall, I mean, I'm sure some of those guys were key parts last year, but Brendan Chenard's the only one I could really recall from highlight to highlight as far as familiarity with this team goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Wyatt Nasadis has come in and played a key role, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, another freshman guard for St. Francis. Um, just He's been a driving force for that team. I think that takes care of the pulse. We're going to get you fed. Could we? Jake's, Can you feed Jake's, me? I Jake's, favorite, Jake's favorite part of the show. We'll Jake's not you, here. We'll get you fed. So we don't have to worry about him. This week's winner of two Jimmy John's sandwiches is Stacy Folgman of Traverse City. She interacted with the podcast on Facebook. We'll get a hold of you on social media and get you those two gift certificates. Right now we'll take you into the interview with Reagan Ali from Gaylord and Elizabeth Saunders from Traverse City Central. That interview brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. All right, we're glad to have Gaylord skier Reagan Ali and Traverse City Central's Elizabeth Saunders join us. It's the day after they were at Division Two and Division One State in Harbor Springs, which was like an hour and a half away from here. So they've been all over Northern Michigan. <laughs> I know, and then Reagan had to make so like an hour like, and a half so trip here. Yeah, we're just we're using up their time all over the place. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having, thanks us. For having us. Normally we do this on Monday. But with the finals yesterday, we were obviously too short. I don't even know what day it is. So yeah. Today, yeah. today is Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday. That's why we have the punch keys here. Oh, right. thank you, thank, yeah, you. thank you. So we got to eat those. For fairness, yesterday did feel like a weekend. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Longest day ever. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we do the Freaky Fast Five, which is an ode to our sponsors at Jimmy John's, where we ask you five weird questions. So since it is Fat Tuesday... 
How many donuts are you capable of eating in one sitting? Classify a sitting. How long is a sitting? If you had a dozen donuts in front of you. How many could I eat from that? How many could you eat from the donuts until you... Let's say an hour. An hour. Let's say an hour. I'll say six. Half a dozen. Wow. Um, (laughs) That's quite a bit. Ambitious. Yeah, that's that's impressive. Thank you. Um, It depends on how big they are. But I feel like I could pro- I could probably match six. Yeah. If you were gonna eat six, I could probably <laughs> eat six too. If I could yeah. force myself. Yeah. Force yourself to. Yeah. 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 Also, right. I'm hungry, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah I guess it depends. Are you, are you a big donut guy? Well, yeah. If Dad came home with donuts, I'm gonna have as many <laughs> as I can. <laughs> but we have foodskis in front of us right now, so. My question is, what's your? So I heard like this really throwback '80s music in the clubhouse yesterday at Nub's Knob. What's your favorite ski music? Like, if there was a loudspeaker playing over the mountain, what would it have to be playing? I mean, yesterday they played Eye the Tiger. Yeah. And that just kind of got me in the mood. And that was my coach's ski song. That was what she was talking about. So I've never really had a ski song, but that's hers and pumped me up yesterday. That's nice. I don't really know. I like something not, like, too aggressive, but, like, energetic. That's what I like. Definitely. Like, like what's too aggressive? Uh, like... Scree- any screaming, that's not that's not <laughs> yeah. my thing. But like rap's fine. Yeah. I think in Tony Hawk's or no, was it Sean White snowboarding? Yeah. It, that was a video game of two thousand six. The one of the songs on there was Blinded by the Light. <laughs> you know, like wrapped up like a douche still in the night. If that's even <laughs> the words. <laughs> it's, it's deuce. Deuce. That's what he's saying. Oh. Deuce. Uh, that's a good one. Close. <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> That's probably one of the most Unheard. messed up lyrics in I've, I've in heard history. my mom mess it up, so I can, <laughs> yeah. can attest to that. <laughs> okay, so who would you let punch you directly in the face, and you'd be like, okay, that's cool? Oh, easy. Lindsay Vaughn. She could punch me as many times in the face, and I'd be like, yep, yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say Greta Thunberg. If she punched me in the face, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> One more time, please. <laughs> I don't even think we're going to get that far to someone have me punch and, like, no one's going to punch me in the face. They'd be too scared. (laughs) (laughs) You think so? Yeah, I know so. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite TikTok trend? Oh, my gosh. Not Renegade. (laughs) (laughs) That makes two of us. I get really annoyed by that every single time I see it. I've seen that so many times, especially at ski races. That's not my favorite TikTok trend. People do the dance at the race? Yeah, at the start. There's a lot of the, like, the U14s that, like, Casa races. They're, like, that's their warm-up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I like the, you can put it in a bun. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) That one's so precious. You can do it with pretty much anything. (laughs) We tried to do, right after I got my mug shot taken, I did, hey, hey. (laughs) What? And then, the one, then Jake looks over and he goes, what? <laughs> he didn't get it. Jake does not like TikTok. No. We've established this. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should do it a podcast with just Jake ranting about TikTok. Oh, that would just be long and angry. Yeah. My last question is, what makes a ski uniform awesome? Is it the goggles or is it like the the top? I think it's dope when there's a cool speed suit design. So yeah. there's only a limited number of speed suit designs that are released every year. There's not a lot of companies that make them. So I think if it's a really cool speed suit design, then that can really set you apart in uniqueness. Yeah. I like speed suits too. I like helmets. I feel like because that's the first thing you see because, like, you're wearing a coat and, like, pants before you go. So, like, you know people buy their helmets. So 
It kind of shocked me that some schools didn't have their own speed suit. It was a lot of kids that all were, were different ones. Yeah. yeah. That's like my team. We, we all have our own speed suits, but yeah. It was kind of cool at the same time. Yeah. 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 Shows kind of personality, which is cute. Yeah. yeah. Does the team help you with equipment? Or is it pretty much just up, up to you to get your own stuff? We have, like, connections with our ski team, so if you do need equipment and you can't really, you know, afford something, we have, you know, you can, you know, purchase something off for a year from another family, but mm. usually it's pretty much individually based. Yeah, it's kind of the same in Gaylord. It's more, like, personal, especially if you want higher-end equipment. You have to buy your own or like, get it at a ski swap, and we have a ski swap in Gaylord every year. Mm. But our team does have, like, some, like, old equipment that people have just donated after they're done racing in high school. So we have some skis and speed suits here and there yeah. for kids that want to try it out. You can't just walk up the first day and say, I'm, I'm Rig and Ollie, can you give me a new uh, speed we, suit? We have some really dope team jackets. We just got new ones this year. They're Patagonia, they're embroidered, they're awesome. So we have that kind of bougie stuff at, at Central. Oh yeah, we, got, we just got new jackets this year too, yeah. actually, for the first time in like 20 years, I want to say. But I noticed that like, TC Central is like one about the only teams that was at the finals yesterday that doesn't have its own custom-made tent. Oh my gosh, we were joking about that, at, you know, on our, I mean, on you our own too. A, you guys have a tent. It we do. It doesn't like say Traverse City Central no, or anything on it. No, we used to have a tent. I don't know what happened to it, but now we have this white Walmart tent, and we have this little flag that says, you know, TC Central, but I have no clue where our original, you know, tent went, because, you know, before it had like the Trojan head on it, you know, a little monogram, but... Yeah, it was a little embarrassing with our little white tent. <laughs> you guys have one in Gaylord? No, we, we're not cool enough for a tent in Gaylord. <laughs> <laughs> with the like, Blue Devils logos all over or something like yeah. that, that would be pretty cool. That would be cool. Can you like walk me through both your seasons, how you guys got to yesterday? This season, I mean, it started off early for me because I've had a couple early season injuries in the past couple of years. I had finger surgery, so I went to Winter Park and in November and trained for Thanksgiving camp. And then I came back, just started skiing some CASA races, and then in January, high school season starts. Yeah, for those of us that don't know, can you talk about what the CASA races are? And what, like, can you spell it out, too? <laughs> I didn't actually know. Yeah, so CASA is C-U-S-S-A, and that's Central U.S. Ski Association. And so that is kind of like the club level racing, if you want to call it that, for um, pretty much CASA covers Michigan, kind of that Midwest range. And so there's... Is it just Michigan or is there... There's Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's just like the central region. And then there's Rocky, which is like out west, Colorado, Utah, and yeah. stuff okay. like that. So we're the CASA one. So it's kind of like where basketball players go play AAU or Yes, exactly. It's, yeah, like it's the same comparison. Yeah, yeah club kind of, soccer. Kind of but yeah. it's just yeah. because winter is one season. It's just yep. all like at the same time. Yeah. I did do some fist races too, which is foreign, so I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. So I did some in, like, Minnesota, and that was fun, too. Sweet. Do you do these things concurrently in, in between your high school yeah, schedule? It's kind of, yeah, there's, like, a lot of busy stretches where, like, at the, I think it was the first weekend in January, I went to, like, our first high school invitational that had, like, three, three fist races or something in a row and then back to, like, a <laughs> high school race on the next, like, Monday. So that was interesting, keeps it busy. And we have scheduled, I think, five conference races for everybody. So if you want more starts than that, then you pretty much have to do CASA and FIS racing right. just to open up your schedule and do more if you, you know, desire that. Do you think the added experience from CASA and from FIS helps you when you get into the high school races like states? 
Oh, yeah, I, I definitely sure. believe so. Um, you, you not only get to meet kids that you don't usually race with, because, you know, um, Traverse City, we don't see any other downstate teams, and maybe you'll see them at a CASA race. But it's it builds up those connections. It builds up your confidence because you're racing more courses, which is always helpful if you want to build up that mentality. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think it's nice advantage. Yeah, the extra, like, level of difficulty and the extra training that goes into that, I definitely think it contributes to the level that the like the Cusa skiers are at. Most of the people that you see at state finals or whatever your big race of the season is, you know them from that because that's where most of the really competitive skiers ski. Coach was trying to explain with me what person, how the person in flight one, like what their job is, and what the what the person in flight two, what their job is. It differs at every team. Um, some think that you know your best skier should be. You know, for your first flight, some believe it should be your third. So it just depends on the coaching mentality. For us, we pretty much keep our our fastest girls at the top three flights that are the most consistently putting down the solid fastest runs. And then as you go down the flights, or four, five, and six, you want the girls that you know can hold that that um, strong, fast, consistent runs in when you know the course is getting kind of deteriorated. So. It's, you know, all coaches' mentality, so it's kind of hard to put my own perspective in there because mm-hmm. I'm just going through the motions with that. And then can you walk me through what those conversations were like yesterday when you're doing your course inspections? Obviously, one a day it's like 40 degrees and snow is mountain. Oh, yeah, the snow was interesting for us. It was definitely changing throughout the day. So definitely during inspection, we talked about that. Um, some of the parts of the hill were covered by s- some shade, so you have to take that in consideration because, you know, those, those areas, you know, aren't going to deteriorate as fast as other parts. But for us, our team just focused on, you know, the basics. You know, we had a very open corridor set, so it was just pretty basic in our slalom. A couple of combinations, nothing too extreme. But because we were on South Challenger, it was a different terrain that we were used to. So coming off that pitch, we had a compression there with a pin, and so that took a lot of girls out. So that was one of the biggest things we were inspecting yesterday. And Reagan, how do you go about the state meet as an individual qualifier. I know you had one of the guys from the guys' team there and probably a couple of your teammates there to go cheer you on, but how do you inspect the course when you might not have, like, four or five girls around you? Well, being that I'm I'm our team captain and, like, a leader, like, the fastest skier on our team, it's kind of the same for me because I, I know what I'm looking for and I know how I like to inspect and what I like to look for and the things I'm focusing on, so I kind of do it the same as I always do. Just, I just don't have to relay that to my teammates that might not know what they're doing as much. But it definitely being there as an individual does, I'm sure, I wouldn't know because I've never been on a, on a team at the state finals, but I'm sure it's a lot less pressure. Like if I, if I crash, there's no one relying on me to like make it down. So I just, it's all like personal. I watched the whole boy slalom and then they they. They, they heard the PA speaker, oh, Reagan Ollie's at the start gate. So par- I over to her parents saying, oh, that's your state champion right there. <laughs> when when you guys start a run or, like, halfway through a run, when is it to the point where you know, like, oh, that looked good, that's my state championship right there? I don't know that <clears throat> you ever, like, get to that point. Because, I mean, you know when you're having, like, a clean run, if you had minimal mistakes, you feel smooth, like, you feel like you're staying up on the course – but you don't know, like, who came down before you that had a wicked fast run. Like, Megan from Grand Rapids Northview, she absolutely killed the GS. And, like, I, th- I had pretty clean runs, but you never know until you get to the bottom, especially when it comes down to such a close margin. 
And what's that dynamic like since, you know, there's half the people at the top of the hill and then there's the specters at the bottom of the hill and you're one of those people. You can't really see what's going on. How do you adjust? Do you, do you adjust your game based on that? No, I try to, like, just kind of focus on myself and doing my best skiing so I'm not really thinking about about my competition that came down before me. Like, if I lay down my fastest skiing, I'm just going to, like, rely on how that holds up against them. I'm not really worried about who really skied fast. I do like receiving a course report sometimes if I'm not sure on a certain part or certain conditions, but other than that. A course report from who? Well, generally... I listen in on other teams' yeah. course reports just because I have... Kind of like from. an eavesdropping <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. But some coaches I that I've known for four years that know I'm just there by myself kind of thing, like Harbor Springs coaches, Petoskey coaches, they'll let, that I have friends on the team, they'll let me listen in on their course reports and like hear how it's holding up, how their run went, what they thought about it. Mm. So you don't, like, right after your run, go right down to the... Uh where they put the board, the scores up on the board and, and look and see if yours is the, the fastest or not? Sometimes. I normally try to <coughs> feel how I felt about it and, like, say hi to my parents, give them a hug, and then, then I'll go check it out. But normally you can tell by, the like, the crowd. If you come down and, and you hear your time and they're like, wow, like, you know you went fast. But if it, they're just kind of, like, clapping a little <laughs> bit, you're like, eh, okay, maybe it wasn't that great. Golf clap is not a good thing. In the <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Did you and Megan talk about yesterday how you guys literally had the exact same time? Yours was uh, 0.05 seconds slower. No, we didn't really talk about it. I know she's been working really hard for that, and so have I. So it was nice that, like, because I just, like, just edged her out in slalom, and so she just barely edged me out in GS. So we didn't really talk about it, but I think we're both kind of, like, happy for each other. Oh early did you guys get involved in skiing kind of at a competitive level and at a recreational level did it did you just uh, obviously probably you just started recreationally probably but how long did it take for you to go this is kind of something i want to do competitively oh uh, i started when i was like a year and a half at mount holiday um but it was just like literally like just the like bunny hills and everything um and then i think i started like racing with the holiday race team like probably preschool maybe like and a year and a half old? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know when they put you in the little onesie and you're going down the hill with your little baby skis? Yeah, that was me. So I did that. And then I met Reagan in USSA probably my seventh grade year when I started yeah, something then. something like that. Yeah. I don't know what your story was. I started skiing at Treetops, this tiny little hill in Gaylord, when I was probably like two. And then maybe like around the same age, like five-ish, like I started just racing NASTAR. But it's like, you just talk the whole thing. There's not really a lot of turn. And then I, it was probably around sixth, maybe like seventh or eighth grade when I really started getting really into like actual racing and then realized like this is like what I wanted to do kind of thing. Do you guys only race alpine ski or do you do Nordic on the side? I've never tried Nordic. <laughs> I feel like I would not be I used be to cross-country ski with my dad all the time, but I kind of drop that when I got super busy with downhill. Those you different kinds of skis and equipment and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. How long did it take you to get good at skiing? Like like where you thought, you know, I can I can compete with, with people my own age or even older? A, a long time. I mean, for my age, I've always been, like, decent. But I think it was my freshman year of high school when I really realized that I could compete with older girls because I'd never really raced against anyone 
older than myself. When you're young, they put you in kind of like age groups, so mm-hmm. that you don't like feel bad about yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> but high school, I feel like freshman year when I was racing and competing with some of the top racers that were like seniors at the time, that's when I was like, I can I can do this. Yeah, I don't really know what that point was for me. I just knew that you know I had to work hard and. You know, not every run was a guarantee, so for me it wasn't really a point. It was just that constant mentality of just working hard every practice. So you guys never ran into the point where you were, like, skiing at some point and you were, like, maybe not stopping as fast as you wanted to and you were like, well, I guess this is it. I had a good run. And, like, I'm going to crash into a tree and die right at this point. <laughs> no. no. So. Luckily, no. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are on Twitter. You mentioned you are on TikTok, but I don't know if you're on Twitter. The, uh, the Buckley soccer coach tweeted out a video of his uh, son and apparently had a GoPro on his on his helmet and was skiing, a 12-year-old son, and just started going to the left and go into the woods and hit a tree. <gasps> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I am on Twitter, but I did not <laughs> see that. Is he all right? All good, though, right? I'm going to assume that if you posted it... The silence. <laughs> oh, my gosh! He's trying to stop <laughs> oh, no. himself! Poor kid. At least he was prepared. Like, yeah, he, he just, knew like, it was happening. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, ski accidents freaking me out because you don't know if they're gonna be bad or when you know yeah. when you see a crash, you're like, that was a bad crash. Like that athlete's gonna walk away with, with some with some pain there. But sometimes they walk away injury free. Yeah, so it's it's crazy. It is a little bit scary because a lot of ski injuries can end really poorly. Yeah. But some of them, you're like, that was a really tough crash, and they just pop right back up and put their skis on. So it's all good. Yeah. Kind of depends. It's like luck, I think. You did mention you were a rower. Yeah. And I did read the other day you were named one of the MHSA Scholar Athletes. Yeah. Um, and I was reading your bio where you were into coding and computer science. Can you walk me through that? Yeah. So sophomore year, I got really into STEM and wanted to take that as far as I could. I decided that I wanted to learn what coding was and, you know, what I could do with it. So I developed an app. It's actually an iOS app you can download on your phone. Well, I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's called CalcuSaver. It's kind of cute. It's like a, just a calculator. And if your calculator um, output equals your, you know, your predetermined calculator output that you set out, kind of like your password, um, it'll send an emergency message to your emergency contact saying that you're in a situation and you need to be contacted. So, so it's, it's a calculator, but it's, like, not a calculator yeah, at the same time. Yeah, it's, like, time. an incognito way to send for help. If I like if, that. Yeah. 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 So That's it's cool. kind of started with the intentions of, like, you know, you know, the dawn of, like, the Me Too movement and Time's Up. Um, but it kind of manifested itself outside of that. Like, my principal uses it to get out of meetings. So it can really <laughs> be used for anything, um, which is kind of cool. I have a very fortunate connections with a lot of local TC individuals. So Elijah Cobb graduated from Traverse Central and he helped me just learn the very basics and he helped just get my feet wet with the whole with the whole process but yeah a lot of a lot of connections and a lot of uh, interested business people who, who want to help me out with that for me it's I kind of want to continue going you know, my education and go to college so probably develop my business and maybe even environmental science career and then see how I can use computer science to to change how that industry currently is and Reagan, outside of skiing, what what are you involved in? Well, I play soccer, and I actually am committed to play soccer next year at Michigan Tech. What's been the reaction around the school at Gaylord to the to the thing that went on with the hockey team recently with the Sam Gorno injury? Oh, that's been a huge thing, actually. He's been really like low key about it, though. He doesn't really like he hasn't 
made a big deal about it or anything, but they're, everyone's watched the videos, and it's been all over the news, like downstate, up here, wherever. So, yeah, that was a big deal, and that's that's scary. And I saw the video, and it's it's bad. And I saw his knocked-out tooth, and that's one of my biggest, like, things, is I do not want my teeth ever knocked out. That's, like, one of my biggest fears. So that was kind of like a heebie-jeebie moment for me. Well, it's a possibility in skiing. Right? Yeah, it is. I wear a mouth I mean, guard, though. So. Yes, okay. she does. <laughs> Religiously. Does some, do some skiers not wear a mouth guard? I don't. Um, well, I actually, mo- it doesn't seem like yeah. most do. You do have a chin bar for slalom, so, like, if a gate hits you, it's supposed to bounce off. But I'm just, like, I don't know. I'm scared that if I, like, bite down too hard, like, if I fall or it gets under there. Like, people have gotten hit in the face, like, underneath their chin bar, so I just, I don't mess with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed coaches making like mid-race adjustments to the skis. Mm-hmm. What what's crucial about that? Well, you you really want to have sharp edges all the time. That's like one of the big things is because you really want to when you start your turn, you really want to be able to engage a ski and like hold your edge throughout that to have a good clean arc. Wax is a big thing too so that you don't like, you don't have friction between the ski and the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yesterday with the changing conditions, it was, you know, pretty important that you, you know, maintained your skis to reflect those conditions. Yeah. When you're going down the hill, how is it that you guys don't just miss a gate? It seems to me like it would be hard to keep keep track of which one you're supposed to go through next because you're hurtling down that hill so fast. Yeah, I think from like if you look at the sport and you you know you you're seeing these athletes go on the hill, it looks like you're gonna miss a gate or it doesn't look like you're gonna finish that run. But I think when you're actually in the course, it it runs a lot more smoother smoother and logical. But yeah, I mean, more years sense of than it looks. Yeah, right. and you're doing specs, so you know like what's coming if there are any like tricky ones. But for the most part, you you do know what you're going around. But I guess that's also an experience thing because we had two foreign exchange students on our team this year from Germany, and they had a, they had a hard time figuring out which gates to go around. Yeah, sometimes, mm-hmm. especially so. when you get more complex into hairpins right, and flushes yeah. and exit Slum's gates. definitely a lot harder for like to understand like which gates because there's gates that aren't even like necessary to be there and there's kind of a there's a path basically to follow Mm -hmm. essentially too i mean yeah yeah there's that track that you can follow yeah Yeah. what format would you like to see them make in skiing at like high school would you do you think it would be more fun if you had like two or three runs and only your best one counted or do you like it the way it is some some schools like i think it's minnesota or wisconsin that does downhill as part of an event so they'll do like a run of just a you know, a fun run of downhill, which I think would be so much fun. Uh, it's not really an event we see up here. Um, you need longer skis, you know, bigger radius and everything. Is but it just a straight shot to the finish, like I a think, sprint? I think it would be so much fun, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in our area. But. Yeah, here. I mean, there are turns in downhill, but normally they're on much bigger mountains. I don't know. I think it would be fun to expand that horizon instead of just limiting us to slum and GS. It would be fun. There is a lot of pressure on, like, the two, the two run, both count race style, but... I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine it any other way. I guess there's. I. I would like to see a diff, A little bit different seating for individuals at the state finals. I think it's kind of. It actually was perfect yesterday to be 2.5 seed, but it is about four individuals that qualify out of your region, and they put the second two in 4.5 seed, which is really kind of far back, especially when you place top ten to like get there. Get there. So I don't know. Five. So it's just per region. So it's not even like if the if the four that qualified from this region were way better than the four right. from this region. Yeah, it, really it has nothing to do with it because there's no point system in high school like there is in our like, club skiing. Mm-hmm. 
and that does make a difference. Like yesterday, our Gus Detmers, who qualified from our school, um, was put in the four and a half when he was supposed to be in the two and a half. Yeah, I saw that they yeah. moved in the, in the program. They yeah, the and, and so that was a big deal for our like, for our ski team because like you know being two seats out, you know you're pretty much on a different disadvantage on a different course right. and with the conditions yesterday with it being warmer you'd want to go earlier in the seats right the course yeah. definitely runs a lot differently the later it gets especially with having different levels of skiing all across like the seeds you have different people taking different lines and creating different ruts and then you might not be able to follow the line you want because there's a rut in your way or something like that so yeah well, Regan and Elizabeth, we thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday and your celebration run to <laughs> take uh, some time to talk about skiing at the Get Around Studios. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks again to Reagan and Elizabeth for coming in, visiting with us. Great interview as always. So that interview brought to you by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Basketball playoffs quickly coming upon us here. This year's the first year in Michigan with the seeding in place. Uh, what do you The seeding for the top two teams. Seeding for the top two teams. Well, what are your thoughts on the, the seeding of the districts? Is it a good way to do it? Is there a better way to do it? Should we have just left it alone? As a TV guy, I didn't mind the way it was because we were getting some great games on night one of districts. Like when we'd get Manton and Glen Lake, you know, I know those schools weren't a fan of playing what would have been a district final in the opening Monday night, but at the, I loved it because I was like, cool, I have a marquee game here on the first night of districts. That's great for me and interest in a close basketball game and an exciting top 10 matchup. Now, for the school sense, yeah, they would prefer to play those games later because you would notice later in the week then the winner of that matchup would basically push over another team in the district final to win a district round, make things a little less exciting on a Friday where you want all those district champions to f really feel like they face the best other best team in the district. So I think that was their logic, and that's what made us all happy when they announced that they were going to separate the top two seeds. But ever since these brackets came out, it's, it seems like the fact that they haven't adjusted the entire seeding of the field, it's just one and two, which means these top seeds are still sometimes playing three games. They're not getting buys, which I don't think is that big a deal personally. I mean, you play two or three games a week. Like, you're playing basketball, and as a top seed, you're playing a team that's a little inferior to you. I get that there's upsets that do happen, but if you're on your game plan, you know you don't have to play that super good team until later. But I've heard people complain to the point where they think the regions should be seeded, which is an interesting argument because that doesn't get that wide as far as teams and how far you travel. But it is worth noting that districts are convenient because it's people within a 30, 40, 50 mile radius and if you start talking about regions especially in those division one division two regions you're going from the central part of the state all the way to the up and if you're doing that week one of the playoffs that's uh that's potentially a lot more travel uh, and if the teams yeah. are okay i guess i guess maybe i'll bottom line this with my rambling if the teams are okay with it then by all means maybe do that to, to level out the playing field a little more and give us the better matchups down the road and avoid super awkward blots in the regionals, which we have seen before. But at the end of the day, the MHSA wants to sell tickets to these games, and you're not going to get as many fans that want to 
go from Traverse City Central to Mount Pleasant for round one of the playoffs if that's what happens to be, you know, for a district final even in that first week. Yeah, that's, before that's true as well. Which and the and the money yeah. money does talk, and that's it does. I think a little it's bit, a business. It, yeah, that's where the MHSA makes their money is the postseason. Before this, we were talking about how this compares to like other states, like the other states that I've been in, and I've covered, and I've written about. And I think perfect one to point out right now in the Kansas six A girls bracket, you have Olathe Northwest, who is in a, who's a Kansas City school. They're traveling to Liberal, which is the very south southern southwesternmost corner of the state. It's like a seven and a half hour drive. They're to eight for round one. For round playoffs. one, <laughs> they're to eighth seed facing yeah, the see, one. Yeah, see, I don't think that should happen. At three p.m. Yeah. on a Thursday. At three p.m. on a Thursday. At three p.m. Yeah, that's ridiculous. As so well. I, I know they changed it for. They, do they have them all in this in that at that site? No, then? that's the only game, and it's at three o'clock. So they're gonna have to turn around on Friday to face either a school from Topeka, which is near Kent, like kind of about an hour out of Kansas City, or Olathe East, which is a Kansas City school. So I don't even think that's logistically possible to drive that much the next yeah. day. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back, though. Why the hell, if you're the only game that being played at that site, are you playing at 3 p.m. on a Thursday? Got to hit up those Thursday <laughs> happy hour deals after the game. Go to Chili's. Well, probably because when the game gets over, they can drive back through the night to play the game. That makes sense. Topeka. Yeah. And I just realized, I'm going to call myself out on my own miscue. We were talking about Central not wanting to go to Mount Pleasant. Well, they drive five hours to go to Marquette some years. So, because Marquette is in their Division One district, based on how north all these schools are, so yeah. it already does th- that already does happen at the Division One and Division Two level eventually. But th- the fact that people want that at all levels with all these small schools up here, I mean, you're sending D four programs, yeah, to the UP, to past Grand Rapids, past Midland, uh, yeah, you're you're really gonna kill attendance for a lot of these early games. So I can see why for matchups it's more exciting to do this, but at the same time, logistically, is it really worth it? Yeah, I think so, exactly. I mean, I don't know that it's worth it, and I don't think fiscally. I think that the coaches probably want this because the coaches feel that, you know, if I'm the best team in the, or we're the best team in the region, we should be seated as such and have a, a path to the regional final, or you know, whatever, like that we deserve a from path. having a good, from having a good regular season. But I don't think that you're going to find uh, school boards and that that have to pay for the, uh, for this busing and bus drivers and all this other stuff that are going to be willing to foot the bill. You guys brought up the other thing I think is is worth noting going forward. I don't think it'll ever change, but football playoffs don't include every team. How many times has a heavy underdog in these in these basketball tournaments pulled off an upset? Hardly one all. time in the last ten years. No yeah. offense to those schools. We understand either you're just having a down year with kids in the program, or switching coaches, changing it up. We're we're not yeah. trying to knock what you're doing at your program. We know you guys have your best interest at heart with what you're working with. But having said that, do we really need to include every single team? think that's part of the problem that up here some of these districts are crowning champions that are 500 and then they're going into the regional and they're getting the they're they're getting the floor wiped out of them so and that's not a knock on any of these teams but that's a problem with the current bracketing format going through the district into the regional Mm -hmm. and why certain quarterfinals are less appealing there there definitely is a, a certainty that we are not getting the best eight teams in the state in the quarterfinals we know that oh yeah um and that's okay i'm, I'm not saying that, that it needs to be changed at the quarterfinal level but maybe starting with the district level and 
making it kind of like a football playoff where we know we're at least getting a team that's had a pretty successful season in there and has a chance to pull off a win, even albeit on the road, if that's where they happen to start at. Maybe that's something. I, again, I don't think that's ever going to happen because basketball is so easy to play all these games in mm-hmm. such a short amount of time, if we have enough officials. But yeah. that's another thing I think is the problem with the current format. Whether you see it or not, whether teams get buys or not, we're still having the way the districts are structured and even the regions. The, the certain teams are way less impressive than other ones they're going to meet up with down the road. Yeah, and I don't think the MHSAA will ever do that because, I mean, like it, like we said before, it's about money. Yeah, yeah but at the end of the day, how many people are paying money to see a one- or two-win team in a district opener? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to go to that game, though, and you're going to see you know a 2-18 and 18 team playing a 15-5 and five team in the opening round, and there's still going to be a couple hundred people there paying five, six bucks a head, and that's the MHSAA's money. I think a couple hundred is a stretch as far as that team's Maybe. representation. Depends, on where, the depends winning, on where it is. The team that's doing well will have a lot in attendance, yeah. but that's going to be the case no matter who they play. I, my argument is right. the team that's about that, to but get... But if you take that game away, then there's 200 tickets at 5 bucks a piece. That's $1,000 for the MHSA. No, 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 no. You're not, like, the, the team that's going to win that game is bringing a lot of attendance. The team that's one win that's about to lose by 50, I'm not sure they're per- getting 200 people in a gymnasium to watch Oh, no, watch I don't think the MHSA So that care. doesn't change. The MHSA doesn't care which 200, where that 200 people came from. Is yeah, what it's I'm still going to be there. But if you, take, no, but if, you, if you have a qualification, that game doesn't get to happen. So now there's no money there. Okay, all right, now I see the argument you're making. Yeah. Got it. <clears throat> I think it was funny that the one year, that, like I was saying, like a super far, a Wichita school came up to Lawrence, and that was about a two and a half hour difference, and the only parents from the Wichita school that were there were the ones, that were the parents of the cross-country runners that qualified for state in Lawrence the next day. There were five five people in the stands, three of them were the runners, and two of them were their parents. For a basketball game? For a football game. Oh, football. For, yeah! <laughs> For what round? Uh, first round. Oh, okay. And I think a lot of people just also don't understand exactly how it's done. I mean, I don't know exactly everything that goes into this. Because um, you're like, okay, so the girls' basketball district that TC Central and TC West are in is a non-geographic district hosted by Alpena. The teams with the two best records are in the same half of the district. That's not supposed to happen in this. Well, are there three teams with the same record? No, there's basically only two teams with like winning records in this district. And how are they not on opposite sides? Wasn't that the whole that's, point? That's my question. Who are the top two teams? You uh, got Mar- a computer Mar- right Mar- there. No the rest of the district is Central West and Petoskey and, and Gaylord. Yeah. yeah. Marquette and Alpena are in the same half of that district. Well, I wonder if they did that because they're northern it, and it makes geographic? it easier. Does, so, yeah. they, are we, so we're going to allow geographic? But again, that yeah, that override the seeds. That wasn't the point of the, then, uh, the format. Then, yeah. It's never going to be perfect, and people have to accept that it never will be perfect. You're never going to make everybody happy. Even if the coaches and teams got their way with the seeded regionals, it's going to make a lot of fans unhappy, and you get a lot of, why can't we have it the way it was? So you can have gripes with it, but at the end of the day, go out there, play the sport you love, and mm-hmm. just see what happens. If you're, if you're meant to win a state championship, I have a feeling you'll, you'll find your way. Yeah, yeah, I got a feeling. Yeah, you'll get by that ten and ten. If you're supposed to be a state championship team, I I think you'll be okay to win a few basketball games. Yeah, I mean, overall the reaction doesn't seem to be good from what you're hearing from but fans those people and coaches. But those people are just people that are upset. 
if the people, people who are okay like with it, if yeah. the people who are okay with it took the time to voice their opinions on Twitter, it'd probably be pretty 50 50. That's but true. You only hear from the people who are upset. That's true. And a lot of people just don't like change. Speaking of Stupid which, we're going to change. change course here and do the Why? Hall of Fame. Okay, that's cool. We do the Hall of Fame. We get, so we always put up state champions. We're going to cheat in this Hall of Fame. We are going to kind of. <laughs> don't tell the MHSA we're cheating. We're, we're, we're astrosing. So in the Hall of Fame, we always put up state champions. So we have two locals, Reagan Ollie from Gaylord and Jimmy Flom from Petoskey, who won skiing state championships. Monday, Eating. Reagan Ollie, Jimmy Flom yeah. in the club. Jilly, Jimmy Slalom. Or did he win Giant Slalom? He won GS. Jimmy Giant Slalom. Jimmy Giant Slalom. Jimmy Giant Slalom. He needs to open a sandwich shop immediately. Yes. And sponsor this podcast like with Jimmy, Jimmy John's. John's. Jimmy John's. With two locations in Traverse City at Jimmy John's. Freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies. Because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. That brings us into our last and favorite part of the show. One of our favorite parts. I don't know. I was getting pretty into that district uh, seating argument. Just oh, how yeah. people are upset about it. Yeah. So let's go to something that nobody ever argues about. The Wonderlick test. Yeah. NFL Combine time. The Underwear Olympics. Shout out to uh, Adam Troutman, former Elk Rapids Elk. He's uh, trying out for tight end down there for the Combine. Projected he's, to be he's at the combine. one yeah. of the top tight ends, if not the top tight end, taken in April. And mm-hmm. I heard he just talked to the Patriots the other week. So if that can't get Tom Brady to come back, I don't know what will. Patriots like their tight ends. Let's hope he doesn't party as much as Gronk. <laughs> or kill people like Aaron Hurst. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I spoke to Adam uh, a couple weeks ago. We're going to have a story coming up about him, but, uh, you know, he's a good kid. So he is. Great interview. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, too. Yep. Good head on his shoulders. I so, but it's NFL Combine time. If there was a Combine for our jobs, what do you think the drills would be and how well would you do in them? Well, obviously, we'd all do really well. I would hope so. I mean, come on. We're, we're seasoned vets, right, Andrew? Yeah. You've been, been, doing, you've been doing this for centuries. Well, I mean, we're, we're two different platforms, I guess, for media. Maybe if we were trying to spitball this for media. James, you and I were talking earlier. The deadline is the key in our line of work, mm-hmm. making it, making the shot count at the buzzer, so to speak. So very similar to real sports, getting our stories in on time, getting my highlights on the air on time. I don't have everything ready by 625, 1125. They don't, they don't make air that day. Mm-hmm. So thankfully that hasn't really happened to me in my seven years on the job, but I guess there's always time for something. So some sort of shot clock devised deadline typing test, editing test for me, something that you gotta got it in by a certain time, then they're they're gonna judge you. A typing test would be good. I yeah. Think. I can type you, a lot of words you gotta per hit. minute. How many words per minute you think you got you gotta hit in the typing test to make the minimum journalist standard. Is words per minute something you can put on your resume? Or like something that they can. It kind of used to be. Yeah, I don't think it's really a thing anymore. You're gonna be a court reporter there and do it. I don't think it's really a thing anymore. But I think some journalists used to put that in there when you actually used typewriters. Like, look, I'm a terrible journalist, but I will get that story done in five minutes or less. (laughs) Your money back. I'm a really good typer. (laughs) Just put that out there in an interview. Put that on there on a blind date. I'm a really good typer. All right, I got one. So I like taking photos. I don't think there's. A really good story if there's not really good photos to go along with it. I'm going to say, you know, like a pitching machine with a baseball? Mm-hmm. So you're going to have the photographer stand, like, in the middle of it, and you have to capture the baseball in the frame. 
And I'm going to say we are challenged to keep the player with the ball or puck or whatever in, fra in our frame the whole time. Kind of like a driver's test. If you go out of your lane, or you, if you don't parallel park correct, you fail. Uh -huh. Yeah, if the player leaves your frame and all, you got to keep him in frame. Keep it tight, but don't cut his head off or his limb. Don't do in in the shot, not for real. Don't do that, and there's or you're done. Place of the 40-yard dash, I think we would have, like, for the for the writers, we would have, like, the 40-inch dash. It'd be like, how fast can you spit out a 40-inch football story? Column. Would they give you interviews and, like, facts to go along with it, too? Or yeah, you gotta like cover a game. Oh, everybody covers a game, and then it's how fast can you get at forty minutes? This is gonna be like a crazy story. game. Too. There's gonna be a fight afterwards. Someone's gonna say a swear word and something really contradictory in the press conference. You're gonna have to verify that with the administrator of the league and a couple other sources too. I think we, along with time management too, we have to be very. And mine, mine will go with time management. You guys have a space management priority. If you have a busy day, you got a lot of content. You probably want to put on the front page. So that's prioritizing, you know, kind of like a project in elementary school. Here's your front page. Fill out your front page. F fill it out as best mm -hmm. you can. We're going to have the GM of the league of journalists, leaving extraordinary journalists, judge it, make sure that's good. I get, it seems like every few weeks I have a 6 o'clock that I only get two minutes for that I have to get 8 million things in. And my goal is to just squeeze all that information because people want to know. I got to mention mm -hmm. for all the Andreas Athens CUs that are traded and uh, Reagan Ollies that win state championships, I also got to find a way to slip in Danny Amendola re-signed to the Lions. I actually didn't get that in yesterday, so don't tell the GMs who are listening. But yeah, there's there's little tidbits. Tiger spring training scores. You know, there's baseball fans that are probably going to want to know how mm -hmm. bad the Tigers lost in spring training today. But so space management for you, getting everything I need in my time, not just making the deadline for my time restrictions, but hitting my time cues appropriately. I think we got a pretty good list, guys. Yeah. Let's uh, we can create our own Olympics. James, you're going to provide the beer, right? Of course. The okay. journalism combine in uh, Traverse City, Michigan at Thoroughby Field. <laughs> and the same five people that were at that opening round playoff game in Kansas are going to be in attendance. Mm -hmm. For our the, combine. The bench press Five doesn't months. involve 225 pounds. It just involves the, the press sitting on the bench. <laughs> Giacomo Cardo used to have me time him, our old sports guy from the last decade, for those of you who remember his name at all. Uh, I know James does. He used to have me time him certain days that he could get his shirt and tie and jacket on and get out on set. And he claimed he could do it in 90 seconds. And one day he did. I think my record's around two minutes, but that could be another kind of like... Physical dress guys, attire. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Get, I mean, tie and tie, even though I've done it every I day for tie, tie. forever, I only know how to do no? it through a YouTube no. tutorial. Yeah. I still can't do it. I watch YouTube tutorials, I still can't tie and tie. I didn't it's, for it's all about repetition, just like the combine. I didn't know how to do it for years, and then one day I just decided I was going to try it and just kind of fumbled my way James through like, it. I'm 35, I'm going to do it. I've had it's my like, mom. <laughs> it's more like 45. I had my mom yeah. tie a tie before I went off to college, and it's still tied to this I day. I did. That's what I used to yeah. do too. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just once you do it, you just leave it. Yeah. There we go. We're set. Just like episode 114 of the Get Around. Jake, are you good? Jake, can you hear us? All right. Thanks, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. We can do it. Okay. Yeah, so that bro. Oh, bro. Don't get me started. Uh, we all did I'm at a concert right, right now. Me. I'm raging right now, bro. All the levels are spiking. I thought I did a pretty good impression of Jake. You did. We all yeah. did. It's really easy we to do an impression, Jake impression of Jake. So I think that's a good way to end the, uh, to end the episode. Goodbye, everybody. See you for episode 115. We'll see you next week with Jake, I think.
for episode 115. From State Farm, not adnip. All right, we're out.